All right, Mots, we are back. Episode 64 of the Ring Shrinks. It's a mailbag episode, and we were lucky enough to be joined by the head coach at Cushing Academy, Paul Pearl. What do you say, Mots? You ready to roll? Let's go. Is your company looking to hire driven, competitive former athletes? Are you a former college or pro athlete in any sport and trying to figure out what's next? Consider a meaningful career in technology sales and let the Shift Group guide you every step of the way. The Shift Group is turning athletes into sales professionals. Reach out to them at www.shiftgroup.io or email them directly at jr at shiftgroup.io. Shift Group specializes in helping former athletes, not just hockey players, unlock the lucrative career of software sales by leveraging their characteristics of focus, discipline, coachability, competitiveness and work ethic with a unique one-on-one approach to the entire hiring process with dozens of software companies looking to hire athletes specifically those guys are doing good stuff mots yeah great stuff by jr butler and and his group there and it's just serving a great purpose you know these athletes that have these innate abilities that they they these uh skill sets that they acquired you know kind of uh unknowingly being able to kind of channel those and, and direct it towards uh, a lucrative career in software software sales is uh, is their main goal. So check them out at www.shiftgroup.io. Fun fact, too. Who was J.R. Butler's college hockey coach? Paul Pearl. There you go. I guess for the mailbag. But before we get into the mailbag, let's uh, we get some let's let's recap some things here. Lots going on in the world. Uh, how was the weekend, Mots? All right. Yeah, it was good. I uh, I played in a couple B's alumni games. Um, the first one was up in Haverhill for the Police Relief Association. It was a good competitive game. Um, you know, we we had a good time. I met some of the guys. Tr- chatted. I didn't get his name, but I chatted with the goalie, and he he played out. Um, you know, his whole life, and they're like, "Hey, we need a goalie," so he he popped in there, and he was unbelievable. Really? Yeah, he was good. So I was like, dude, like I didn't know, like you didn't, you know, weren't a, like as I zing going by his ear, uh, you know, hit the crossbar, whatever. But like, wow, you know, some, hey, humble some, brag. No, no. Sometimes you you just kind of like throw it on him and you know a rebound goal or whatever. But um, he had the good the equipment. Towel. Yeah, he was he was great, great guy, and uh, it was a really great competitive game. And then on Sunday we played against the great. Blizzard special hockey um, program, and it's a it's a great program. It's hockey for everyone. Um, you know, there's some disabled uh, and under you know uh, developed people that um, they they put out on the ice, and it's it was it was just a great great event. Um, oh, that's awesome! And we uh you know we we had a good time uh, playing those two uh, games this weekend. The hip was a little cranky uh, on Monday, but uh, all worth it. It was fun. Yeah, but I'm getting back in, in, in game shape. So speaking of which, we got the uh, Boston Police versus Boston Fire. We're going to be playing a little game on April 16th at uh, at noontime. So come out and support. Um, you can watch me embarrass myself. I haven't skated much this year. I've been on the ice a lot. So the hands are okay. But the the you know the skating legs definitely are not. But we got a little shinny in on Monday night, which was, which was fun. But all the, uh, the proceeds for that game is going to be going to um, – an officer that that you know passed away this year unfortunately so it'll be a fun day april 16th at noon at the um thayer academy rink and uh i know mots will be there a bunch of bunch of bunch of people it should be a good crowd 
Yeah, that it's going to be a, a great event. And uh, even going back to that skate, there's some good, good players out there just buzzing around. We were fortunate to have both our sons out there, and it's that really the purest form of the game. It was unstructured play, shinny, and um, there's a lot of value in that. Like we were talking about a bunch, Brian. It was like, you know, for our kids, you know, not, you know, knowing where everyone is, but you know, like structurally. So you have to keep your head up, understand moving pucks is more important than trying to beat people. And so the value of that was uh, was kind of in full display, in my opinion. Yeah, they were sick of me yelling at them, <laughs> barking for the puck. I'm like, dude, just give me the puck. Like, that's the rule. Just yeah. give me the puck. Give me the puck. If you want to, if you want to, you know, you want to play, just give me the rock. But it was yeah. fun. Like, like you said, it was, it was great having the boys out there, but then also like me and you, um, you know, playing together and, and dishing pucks around and stuff. It's, it's, it really is. It's a blast. So, uh, unfortunately I won't have you out there as my D partner on the, on the BPD hockey team, but, uh, there's some, some good guys, some good players that played at high level. So it's, it, it is, it's a lot of fun. And when it, uh, it goes to a good cause and, and, you know, a, a fallen officer is, uh, is what it's all about. So looking forward to that. And, and, you know, same thing, the weekend for me, those, those Bruins alumni events seemed awesome, but we, uh, you know, it's been nice being out of the rink a bit. Um, just having my kids started lacrosse, they had never played before, but it's just such a, a good, you know, fun game. They had a couple games on, on, on Sunday and, you know, just using different muscles running, like, you know, you, you, you learn the benefits of like, being able to, to use your left and your right hand and, and, you know, hand-eye coordination, but it's just staying on the defensive side of the ball, not over committing. Like there's just so many good things that can be taught and baseball is kind of coming up right around the corner. So my kids are doing, they're doing baseball and lacrosse, which I guess I just, you know, we just love to torture ourselves as parents in the Yandel household, just running around, you know what I mean? But uh, it's, it was a lot of fun, but I did make it into the rank as, as you saw on Instagram. So they did a, a great, um, buzz off event for Connor Olson, who's a kid locally here, um, who's going through some, you know, cancer, uh, treatments, non-Hodgkin's, uh, lymphoma that he's got. And, uh, the kids, all my kids had these ridiculous salads that they had been working on for forever. And, um, we all took them down. We took them down right to the you know, I got the number one going around. It's looking a little thin on top, which uh, yeah, one of my make- buddies called me B.Y. Felino. So I'm, <laughs> I, I got the I'm, I guess I'm the third Felino brother now, too, as well. So one of my uh, my many nicknames. So, yeah, they uh, but it was a great event again for, um, you know, Connor crushes cancer and uh, just the hockey community and the turnout. And, and Connor was down there. He played goalie for me. He was a he's a 2008 birth year. So when I first started coaching uh my own nine group uh i had those guys they played kind of up a level and he was our goalie and kids just had a blast he's just you know such a great kid great family they're very involved in the dorchester youth hockey uh program here his father phil is uh on the board of directors and things like that so really good good stuff and you just see the the turnout from the hockey community and and you know also the the regular members of the community that aren't you know hockey players girls were down there getting their uh hairs hair braided and things like that it was it was a great event on uh this past sunday that's awesome that you guys were able to get down there and show your support and i would say um i would keep the hat on the ring shrinks hat yeah we're gonna keep that i was thinking no. folk maybe getting a, a, a tattoo or something in the head <laughs> 
That's so great. Uh, but yeah. that's that's a great for for a great cause. So that's um, we wish him the best moving forward here. And um, yeah, no, we're thinking of him. That's what it's all about. So let's get into some hockey talk. Obviously, uh, Bobby Trevino. I just saw a, a a great quote from him. Obviously, he had a great career at UMass Amherst. And you know, one of the things that like people don't realize is not everybody goes to college on a four for four, right. On a full scholarship and things like that. And Trevino was on a, he was on a half scholarship and ends up, you know, now he's playing professionally. I think much, you looked him up. He's got a couple points in his first couple games, but just worked his way and just competed his way to get into that lineup. Do you want to talk about him quick while I pull out the quote? Yeah. So, you know, playing at UMass Amherst, who's, he was a spark plug, uh, you know, I played for Waterloo in the USHL, but he was a spark plug ever since he stepped on campus at UMass and a real leader this past year, and he was the heartbeat of that team. Not overly big, but really gritty, went to all the dirty areas, but, um, you know, I, I called him greasy. He was just a greasy hockey player, a guy that you don't really want to play against because he has scoring touch, but he's willing to do the little things that um, helped them win a national championship a couple of years ago, and I, I just think that uh, he's a uh, a great free agent signing for New York. There, they'll be losing some uh, pending free agents, and you know he got into the Hartford Wolfpack um, lineup at a couple of points over uh, the first two games. And he's a guy that you know you can never count out. You know he's going to do whatever it takes to get in the lineup and stay in the lineup. And um, I'm really happy for him that he was able to get this pro experience at the end of his college career so he'll have that much more confidence going into next year so yeah uh, good for bobby and uh you know his path was you know like you, you said it wasn't like the traditional full scholarship he worked for everything he has had uh you know um you know accomplished so at the end of the day there's different ways to get to where you want to go yeah and this uh this was a tweet that i had i'd seen from mike mcmahon who does a really good job covering college hockey but he said, uh, I love this quote from Bobby Trevino. Cavill said last night that they recruited Trevino on a half uh, scholarship because a few schools had interest. Credited uh, former assistant, uh, now main head coach Ben Barr, Ben Barr in seeing something inside this kid. Said he's the most unique kid I have ever coached, and, and Cavill's coached some some good ones. So that fire Cavill was talking about, maybe it's because he was so overlooked in the recruiting process. Trevino remembers it that the fiery Long Island native has been um, has been the spark p- plug for this UMass program all year. I'm very grateful to be part of this. He said, they took a chance on me when no one else was going to take a chance on me. Coming here was the best decision of my life. I wouldn't want it any other way. My teammates and my coaches have really pushed me into in developing and cultivated me into the person I, I, I am today. Mindset is a huge thing. I have always been overlooked and I've always gotten and I've gotten cut from teams that thought I should that I thought I should have made. Despite what anyone thought of me about my size, my strength, my skating on my shot, whatever it is, I just continue to outwork, and that's what I can control. Outworking my opponent, that's the biggest thing to my success, is just continuing to to work hard, uh, to work as hard as, as I possibly can and make my dreams a reality. So pretty good stuff. Yeah, it's it's awesome. I mean Coach Cavill isn't uh, too, you know, ready to just give out compliments, but he spoke so glowingly of him during the regionals uh, when interviewed about Bobby Trevino. So it's uh, it speaks volumes on to Bobby's character and his work ethic and everything uh, that that quote kind of 
epitomizes uh, him as an individual, and we wish him the best. Yeah, no, great stuff. And I think it's just an important message, right? Because, you know, so many kids, it's like, oh, he got a four for four. He got this. Or maybe he's not, you know, he he said it there himself. Like he was getting overlooked. He didn't make teams, but he just, you know, controlled what he could control, which is his work ethic. And just he outworked people. And, you know, he was undrafted too, right? He was, yes. Yeah. yeah so undrafted and, and, you know, ends up now he's, you know, he's signed in NHL, in national championship, won a, uh, uh, Signed an NHL contract with the New York Rangers, and obviously, he's, you know those guys and you know Chris Drury, Mike Greer, they're not gonna that they, they they saw something in him um, that you know that's there's a reason why why he's he's a Ranger or you know at least part of that organization at this point. Exactly. Yeah, and uh, I'll, I'll bring up the uh, Keith Yandel situation uh, briefly here, and I'll give you my two pennies. I know you you can stay out of it, but um, yeah, I, I mean, if you want to talk about it, you know feel free obviously for me it's a it's a family situation um you know i don't really feel too comfortable commenting on it i'm sure at some point uh we'll we'll have keith to talk about it but i think you can you know if you want to talk about it and you were a guy you were in those locker rooms so i'd I'd definitely interested to hear your take yeah so i i mean it's an interesting situation right you know professional sports you can see you can see both sides enough where you know, it's a results-driven league, whatnot. But this is a one-off situation, in my opinion. You know, you know, I have personal, you know, uh, feelings about it because I know Keith personally. But it's absolutely unacceptable for a organization that's out of the playoffs that has no chance. I mean, they want to see their prospects. I get it, but dress seven D, right, or sit someone else. To play a thousand games is such a feat as a professional hockey player. To play a thousand games consecutively is unheard of. So I really do feel that it was a yeah, the wrong decision for a organization that has had a down year. You know, performance aside, you know, I, that's fine. You know, he may have been, um, you know, sat if he didn't have the streak going, you know, it's like if you look at it from a business side. Um, but I do think that 11 games, it would not have harmed them. It would have been a positive kind of public relations type story in a down year. So I think they had a big miss there. Um, and that's my just personal opinion on it. But, you know, you can see the other side of it looking at uh, their, um you know, prospects and whatnot, but I, I still feel that they made the wrong decision in, uh, in, in breaking a streak that is, is very impressive. And that thousand game benchmark is, is one of the, you know, coolest things for a professional hockey player to do. Never mind doing it consecutively. Yeah. No, good stuff, Mots, and obviously appreciate the support. Uh, the TSR team and corporate sales department can outfit your team with the top brands in sports apparel. Ensure that your team looks the best. Visit TSRHockey.com, and uh, you can also reach out to their team store at 603-912-5970. Ask for Mike or Dave, and they'll take care of you. I know those guys, they're out and about. They're in the ranks doing fittings right now, making sure uh, all these teams um, – around new england look shop so don't be uh don't be afraid to give them a call or reach out and they'll gladly uh get you some new digs and looking looking shop on the ice on and off the ice you know Mots, look yeah. good feel good play good exactly the the swag is where it's at for these uh younger players and you know you do feel good 
going to the rank looking shop and then be, getting on the ice i know that you're a big component of, you know proponent of that so i um I yeah, well, you, you definitely pick up a new hat at the very least to cover up those whiffles if you're a Dorchester <laughs> kid. You know what I mean? There you go. <laughs> what Just were your thoughts on this uh, Trevor Trevor Zegris? Uh, I know, you know, we don't talk too much NHL, but his comments along with, you know, Jay, Jay Beagle kind of beating up Troy Terry. Like, I'm interested because you have been in, in uh, you know, and we, we did see a post of you with, you know, in a nice little scrap not too long ago with uh, – with Mike Carmery. So you've been in a lot of those. There was a reason why, like, you know, my, my wife uh, had asked me when I was playing, she was like, now how come when the, all the fights, like you're the guy that goes and picks up all the gloves and, and things like that. I'm like, well, <laughs> cause it was usually like, you know, I did something and somebody had to step in and, and, and fight the fight for me. You know what I mean? So, right. um, but she legitimately thought that that was my job to pick up the guys who fought gloves and, and bring them over to the penalty box. It was you get pretty, paid a little extra for that. Yeah, yeah exactly. A little, little house cleaning duties, uh, leave the, leave the tips in my stall. But, uh, will we, will you, what's your take on all that? Again, there's like two different sides here that, but like my personal opinion is that, you know, five nothing game. Zegras says that he sees the puck. It's actually clearly covered. So I don't mind the shot on Zegras, you know, and then. Yeah, he's going to get a little something. Yeah, but a teammate coming over to defend another teammate, not ready to fight, even if you're not a fighter, that's on him. So then you do have to say Beagle kind of gave it to him a little extra that he could have held off. So, but how I look at it is from when I played, and again, I don't want to be that guy to be like, oh, in my days, you know, but (laughs) everyone, like the accountability is lacking on actions. So that that self-policing on the ice was real. That intimidation factor was real. So with all the the way the game is going, with all the skill and speed, it's awesome. It's awesome for the game, but you can't lose that accountability and these codes that you know are 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 kind of waning. I think is bad for the game. So you get a shot, and then a kid comes over and like he has to answer the bell for a teammate who's trying to stick up for that. That's hockey, but you got to be ready to hang on slip on the banana pill do whatever you have to to like just not get hurt turtle yeah but um i i I really enjoy these kids games troy terry in particular he's a hockey player i really like his game but he's not a fighter and beagle can chuck him so you know it's but he's not per se like jay beagle i think's had like five career fights i mean he's like a, a professional like he's a big strong guy but he's not like He's not the so-called no fighter. I mean, like, like he wouldn't go fight Ryan Reeves or something like that. You know, no, I mean, he's, he's not. not he's not a Aaron, guy that Aaron Ashram. You got yeah, you got killed. Yeah, that was bad. But, but at the end of the day, he, he knows how to handle himself. Right. And then you add in the frustration of a five to nothing game. I get it on that side. But you you got to lay off a little bit once you have like a defenseless guy on some level. Um, but I just think that you. This it, there's a lot of kind of talk about it lately. You know, this has been a week. It happened like over a week ago now, right? Or yeah, yeah, about yeah, about a week since when this comes out. But I, uh, I, I, I feel that there's not enough 
um, you know, if you're going to face wash someone, you're going to do this. If you watch the scrums around the net, like no one looks each other in the eye. It's like, if you look someone in the eye, you, you're ready to go back when we were playing. If there was a scrum, everyone had their gloves off so they could hold people and whatever. I mean, the game is, has changed for the better in, in a lot of areas, but that accountability slash code of, you know, protecting a teammate and then showing up and protecting yourself should never go away. Right. Yeah, so. and it, it, it's funny, too, just like, uh, I mean, I love Zegris kind of like, I love his personality and like how he, he kind of like flipped out a little bit in the post-game interview. Like, it's good to, for guys to show a little bit of fire and, and, and you know, like that personality that he shows on the ice, which is phenomenal. And, you know, his skill level is crazy. And, and, and Troy Terry, same thing, great player. But it's almost like you're up 5 nothing. It's the end of the game. Like, back in the day, like those guys really wouldn't even like that's like cleanup duty. Like you're you're like pounding the team already. You know what I mean? It's like let the third and fourth liners go out on the ice and try to get their cookies. You know what I mean? Or, or do what they need to do. But those guys, like you know what I'm trying to say? Like in that kind of a blowout game, like what, since when do those guys even go on the ice at that point in time? Yeah, I mean that's and Timo Solani mentioned it about like they traded away some of their toughness and right and he did because of the way the game is not as say, I mean, it's physical, it's fast. It's, but like that toughness still needs to be there. And our buddy Ryan Whitney made a couple of really good points. Look at some of the teams who are in playoff contention. You know, they have some tough, you know, rugged players that can play. And, you know, Anaheim traded their guys away. Now their stars are vulnerable to something like that, which, you know, it's it's disappointing, but you know, there has to be some balance there of right. team toughness. But, the, but Jay stuff. Beagle knew, right, if it was no you know, coming after him. Right. If, if that was against the Calgary Flames, right, and that was like he grabbed Johnny Goudreau, he mm-hmm. knows that Milan Lucic's jumping over the boards and, and he's going to have to deal with that, right? So, yeah. that's yeah, Lucic a, would take a suspension on him. Right. <laughs> All day. So much. <laughs> All day. He might exactly. even leave the bench just to get him because he's getting thrown out of the game. Yeah. You know, yeah, so. exactly. No. Yeah, no, it's an interesting, it's, you know, I, I, I wanted to get your, um, your kind of take on things and, you know, cause obviously you've been, what was the story with you and Comrie there? Cause he's, he's a pretty tough guy. Like people, he was skilled, but he could, yeah, he, he could really throw skilled. his hands. Yeah. He had, he was pretty feisty. He got into, he knew what he was doing. I just, uh, so what happened was puck was in the air and I knocked it down with my glove and he blew me up. You know, it's a clean hit. So yeah, then there was yeah. a hand pass. So I went over to him politely and was like, hey, Mike, I, you know, I know it was a clean hit, but I really didn't appreciate that. I'd like to go you. And uh, he's like, if you want to fight me, you have to fight the whole team first. I'm like, that's fine, just as long as I get to you. And then they were fixing the glass. And then we were coming out, same, um, you know, matchups. And he's like, hey, Mots. He's like, yep. I'm like, now? He's like, yep. I go, buckets off? He's like, yep. <laughs> So he wins the face off, and then we danced at center ice and threw through some pillows. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome! That's good. Yeah, I never knew and that. then Sorry. we, uh, I got my hip kind of repaired uh, a couple years later, and he was out there, and we uh, we end up hanging out and having a couple beers. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. But hey, that's like you said, it's that accountability, and and you know. Like he was a skilled guy and, and, you know, you were a skilled guy that played hard and things like that, especially at the NHL level. But it's like, hey, there's, there's times where you got to answer the bell, right? Yeah, just ask him nicely. 
Yeah. Hey, just be polite about it. Uh, some good stuff. And I just love like when I see teammates talk good about other teammates and not like be jealous and, and things like that. But obviously Jonathan Huberto, who, you know, I had the pleasure of watching quite a bit, um, you know, when, when my brother was with Florida, but like amazing player, uh, sees the ice so well, like competes really hard and, and super skilled. But, you know, he uh, broke the uh, record for most assists by a left wing. He broke good old Joe Juno's um, single season assist record, and he's going to keep piling it on. But um, I loved Alexander Barkov, who's just another special player. But his quote uh, was, he deserves it the way uh, he's been playing. It couldn't happen to a better guy. We still have a lot of games left, so it's going to be fun to see where he ends up. I'm lucky to be his teammate. What are your thoughts on Barkov talking about who will be like that? Well, he's the captain for a reason, not only because of his play, but his person. Uh, I was fortunate to play with both of those guys, and just, you know, Barkov was just a, a rookie coming in, but he was just a really, really nice kid, and he's developed into – you know, one of the top players in the in the league. And Hubie was, you know, we're roommates on the road. Uh, just a solid, just a great – so, you know, aside from on-ice performance, these guys are both great people. And, you know, that shows their friendship, number one, uh, the leadership from Barkov. You know, they work extremely well together. Sometimes they're not even on the same line. But, you know, Hubie's having a special year, and it kind of happened to a better, better guy. And – um you know, he just makes things happen. Like, and he's not like the fastest guy. He's not the strongest guy, but he wins puck battles. He makes the right protects decision. the puck so well. Yeah, and it's just it's cool to watch. They're a fun team to watch, and I, you know, I like you know rooting for those guys that you personally know. And 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 Hubie is one of the best. So it's it doesn't surprise me that he you know speaks like that of his teammate and his friend. But um, you know, it's it's a good example for for kids to see. You know, you're not jealous of someone having success uh who's on your team and and you want to support them and and, and continue uh to support them you know throughout their their success no that's great stuff uh we got a couple more things but franklin uh is the official ball and street hockey partner of the national hockey league street hockey season is back head to franklinsports.com to stock up on training goals pucks and more franklin street hockey the official partner of uh the NHL official street hockey partner. That is Mott's street hockey season right now. My kids actually had some street hockey over the weekend. They had the Franklin balls and that's going and uh, they play in a little league. It's, it's a blast. The kids love it. That's good stuff. Yeah. With the weather coming around and you get a, get out there and work on your game, get, get some unstructured play, call some kids in the neighborhood and snap it around, throw sticks, you know, snap it around uh Mots, did you happen to catch the video uh the national championship and our, our friends at uh, my hockey rankings did a really good job at uh at covering it out there but did you see the video of shattuck st mary's getting absolutely screwed in the u14 national championship versus uh, the chicago mission i did um i mean it just it's absolutely ridiculous when you watch the video. I mean, the ref is in great position. Yeah, the, the, it's the not. Goal, the goalie is like doing the right thing. He's in great position, and you know, like his hands are in front of him. I mean, they broke that video. Broke it down. You know, if anyone hasn't seen it, check it out. Where they're like number thirteen is not even celebrating because he saw it go into his glove. It didn't even come close to the goal line. 
I just don't understand how that could be botched that bad in that big of a moment. And you expect very good officiating when it gets down, just like the Stanley Cup, that these guys get evaluated, but you know, and then they are pl- they're able to officiate the Stanley Cup. These should be top officials at a national uh, level game, national championship game at U14 level. And that was just a bad, like, bad call that something should be done, in my opinion. But it should have been done immediately. Right. That, there's there's no nothing you can do about it now, in my opinion. But it just it's just a heartbreaking loss for these kids that put so much time, energy, and effort into this season and. They're playing at a high level. Those are the two great programs, and it was a great, you know, back and forth game. And and to lose on something like that, that's it's just, just uh, doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. So I talked to Ian Moran, who was out there, and I talked mm-hmm. to um, Christian Bragnello, Bragnello, who is uh, he's the head coach for the U14 Shattuck team, and I guess that that I don't know if it was the same ref, but it was obviously the same game, so it was the same group. So the they called a goal back uh, in the game on Shattuck St. Mary's that uh, clearly was in. Mm -hmm. And then now, and then they called that as well. So it was like, you know, Shattuck just getting, just getting porked all over the place. You know what I mean? So that happened. And like you said, it's like, should USA hockey step in and do something about like, it's, it's, it's tough now. And I wonder what the video was like at the place. I mean, I can't believe that, I'm assuming it was at least two, possibly three referees, but like everybody in the rink can see that goalie making the save. Uh, like you said, the player that's in the in like standing in front of him, basically like, huh, oh, good save, and like goes to line up for the face off. You know what I mean? It's it's just a bad situation. I feel bad for those guys. I know. Um, I actually think Adrian Acoin um, is was uh, one of the coaches for that mission team as well. And like you said, it's two great great programs and organizations and you know it was a great game it was a back and forth game and it's like you know who knows what would have happened right if if that goal doesn't go in I think it ended up being a a 3-2 final uh from what I understand but just yeah craziness but the thing is the ref is in good position yeah I know he saw the whole thing I don't know what he was looking at it's almost like he's like the camera angle that it shows is right over the the ref's kind of shoulder shoulder yeah so yep. it's like i i for some reason that really um makes no sense to me because it wasn't even close i mean if it was close then it's like oh you know like you know you can go yeah, either it wasn't way like it's a, a 50-50 puck or something yeah. right yeah, like yeah like i mentioned like hit the goalie's gloves he's in good position he's out in front of his body and he just catches it out there and then he shows him the puck and he's calling it a goal i'm like man yeah tough bounce boys so tough shake, bounce shake it off right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Skitscott is the new video-based social media platform that allows users to use augmented reality filters, picture-in-picture, layered audio, and more that is only found in costly movie production rooms. Skitscott does not share, trade, or sell the personal information of its users. This app is made in the USA. Make sure you guys download Skitscott. Uh, What do you say, Mots? I think it's time to open up the mailbag. We were lucky enough to be uh, joined by, by... like we said at the top of the show, uh, Paul Pearl from Cushing Academy, who had a long career, um, you know, coached 19 years at Holy Cross, where they had, you know, very successful seasons there, was also at Harvard and uh, Boston University over the past few years with, a, you know, he's he's kind of seen all sides of it. Uh, he, he gives some great insight, some really good questions from our listeners about, uh, 
you know, the prep school process, but also the recruiting process and putting guys in into college placement and things like that. Right. Oh, absolutely. I mean, as far as uh, Paul Pearl and the person he is, you know, he'll be able to kind of talk to, you know, his approach on certain things. And it's it's a it's a great uh, mailbag episode with these uh, questions and uh, the answers from coach. So we hope you enjoy. All right. We are pleased to be joined for this mailbag episode by the head coach of Cushing Academy, Paul Pearl. He's a former Division One coach at Holy Cross for over 19 seasons. He coached along uh, as well at Harvard University, Boston University, UConn and Brown. Welcome to the show, Paul Pearl. Thanks, guys. Great to be on today. And uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you, Paul. Uh, I think last time I saw you, we were on the golf course for the Holy Cross Alumni uh, Tournament. So we got to run that back soon. Yeah, yeah. You were striping at about 310 down the middle, if I remember correctly. (laughs) You you sure you had the right guy? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Mott's at the Holy Cross Tournament, too. What year did you graduate? Uh, I was a a grad student. I got my... (laughs) Got your law degree there? Yeah, I got my law degree at Holy Cross. Went to a couple of parties. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, Paul, uh, you know, we're, we're super excited to have you and, you know, talk about prep schools. We've had, you know, a lot of different questions and who better to go to than that. But I w- first wanted to start off and this past season being your first one at Cushing and obviously dealing with COVID and things like that. But I want to talk about the, the you know, the, the Cushing Academy tradition. Obviously, Steve Jacobs who's been at, uh, at, at Cushing a long time, done an unbelievable job and created a great culture there. And along with Billy Troy, uh, who's been there for, for quite some time as well. And, you know, the, the, the amount of division one players and professional players, you look at, you know, the Zach Bogosians, Connor Sherry's, Keith Yandles, Tom Pody's guys like that. So just talk about that, that tradition and things like that. Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's awesome to be, to be part of. And I couldn't have been more fortunate to get the position here and, you know, also fortunate in that Bill Troy's still here day to day. He's uh, working in admissions and helping as an assistant hockey coach, and, and it's great. And then Steve stayed on, and he's around as director of hockey. So those guys are still helping, and, and they're, they've been invaluable in terms of knowing the lay of the land here at Cushing. And then, you know, prep school is a little bit different than college, so getting a feel for that. Um, and what they built and what we hope to continue is, is incredible you know, in borderline unparalleled in most hockey circles, you know, for all the kids that they've put into high level hockey afterwards and all the kids that they put into great academic schools. Uh, we just hope to continue that. You know, I, I say to anybody like Cushing was good long before I got here and it will be good long after I die. I just have to not screw it up in the middle. <laughs> as far as uh, some of the kind of differences between coaching college and prep school uh, both are at different stages of their development uh, could you speak to that you know because some of them some of the players want to move on to the next level some might not have that ability but uh, how do you balance that and and what's your approach well I think I think that if you just take purely hockey uh, a lot is the same you know you're working on the same drills you're hoping for the same outcomes you, you're going to set up the same type of power play um what is different is how you deal with them on a day-to-day basis, because you're right, Mike, it's, it's emotionally a a lot different kid and you have to keep that in mind. And I'm lucky I have two kids uh, both in college now, but they just got done growing up and I didn't screw them up too badly. So I think I can deal with high school kids pretty well. And um, knowing their dreams and aspirations are something 
you have to try to foster and also temper, you know, and, and let kids know kind of where their level might be or where they should be shooting for. Um, and then different than just the hockey is this is a boarding school. This is a 24 seven all in place. And, you know, you're, you're going to be their advisor. You might be their, you know, um, math teacher. You might be, you know, someone who works in admissions, but you're with these people all the time. You see them in the dining hall. They see you at study hall. You have to have kind of a, um, it's a different, um, more parental relationship than you would have with a college hockey player, I think, uh, just because of the, the, the complete volume of time that you spend with them. Yeah, that's a great answer. And obviously, you know, myself spending two years at Cushing and my brother uh, also going through. And I, I tell the story all the time, you know, guys like Billy Troy that, uh, you know, my brother would go up in the summertime and live with him. And he really became that, you know, that father figure kind of away from home that, that you know, Keith needed. Right. And, 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 and I would go to him as well, along with, you know, a bunch of other faculty members that would just, you know, they were such impactful figures and in our lives. And it, you know, it helped kind of the growing up process. And, you know, I wasn't, you know, you can no longer rely on mom and dad to, to really help you out in those difficult situations. Right. Well, it's hard. I think, you know, for every family, when that first day comes and they drop, you know, young Yandel off at Cushing, they're like entrusting you with, I wouldn't say raising that's awful strong, but certainly borderline raising of their children because you're with them again 24 7 not to repeat myself so um what we do here and what all the people do is pretty incredible you know and i'm i'm lucky to be a part of it like i i was not i i, I started coaching uh at a boarding school in 91 and 92 i was at portsmouth abbey but i was at a different place in my life at that point now having a little more perspective not you notice I don't say more intelligence, but just more perspective. <laughs> um, I kind of see it differently, and I and I know how great a place this is. I, I talk a lot with Timmy Whitehead, and um, he had kind of given me the heads up on all this because he had a similar path that I did of college, then then boarding school, and and he was spot on with what I experienced this year. Yeah, he's a really good coach, and he's still yes. at Kimball Union, correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We. Uh... We went up against his UMass Lowell teams uh, when he went when he was there, and oh, yeah. really uh, well organized. So that's a good resource for you to have. Absolutely, no doubt. And you did a good job at Maine, obviously. Back in that, you know, that Kimball Union team's obviously always in the mix, and that and now in the in the prep school environment. But let's start off with a couple questions, and and uh, we'll start with this is more pre uh, prep school specific. So, at what age do you start looking for uh, players for your prep team? What programs do they general generally uh, come out of? Um, well, I, I think, you know, obviously us being an hour out of Boston and uh, pretty well known in these circles, you know, the main place we would probably be looking is kind of for the younger guys, you know, like for this year, the 08s, 07s would be the EHF type teams. Um, you know, not that that's the only league that this players is certainly not, but that seems to have the bulk of the better players. Um, but then the E9, you know, places like Boston Advantage or whatever, they have very good programs too. Uh, so we're looking there. And then we're looking in the high schools because, you know, a kid may take his sophomore or junior year and then want to repeat and come and do two or three years of prep school. Or he may just do his junior year, come right in. Like that, you have to be very aware, I think, of the high school age kids um, while also knowing the younger kids. But to compete at like our level, 
you know, with us, Salisbury, KUA, Avon, um, you couldn't just bring in freshmen every year. It just wouldn't work. Um, you'd be really talented, uh, but you wouldn't win very often. And so we have to have that mix of bringing in good young guys to bring up to the program and then, you know, sliding in the odd junior or sophomore to spice up the team and, and maybe add a little bit of skill and, and, and size and all that good stuff. Uh, another question here is, uh, do the kids just normally apply or do they get recruited? Um, it's not recruiting in the college sense. You know, I, you know, we're not, you know, flying out to Cedar Rapids and staying in for a week and just watching the kid practice and play and, you know, all that. No, it's more, I think, yeah, th there's a little bit of a recruitment in that you got to watch and then you go and, um, and talk to the families and let them know the good things about Cushing. But there's also the admissions part of it that the kid has to be able to get in, you know, and, and has to be a good fit for your school. And then I, I think, you know, the, the other big thing that happens once you get to a prep school, there is still competition. So if I give a kid a scholarship at BU, he's going to play, you know what I mean? Like, like he might not play as much as he wants or whatever, but we only have a limited finite amount of scholarships. And that, those scholarships are going to lead into who plays for Boston University. At a prep school, it's still a high school. There's still a, a tryout aspect to it. There's still comp more competition to make the team. Now, that doesn't mean you bring in 40 kids every year and you hope the best 20 come out of it. But there is, you know, if a kid wants to go to Cushing as a school and try out for the hockey team, it's just a little, little different for a high school kid. Well, just as far as that recruiting uh, side of things, just for our listeners, um, you're a, a big part of that Harvard group that had such a great stretch of players, Adam Fox, Alex Kerfoot, Jack Rathbone. So if there is some recruiting, I'm sure you'll be able to get some of the top players at Cushing. Yeah, certainly, um, you know, Cushing speaks for itself. And 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 I'll put it this way, if we, if we bring kids up here to have a look, um, not a lot of them don't want to come here. How's that for a double negative? But you know what I'm saying? Like that, it, it's just the place is awesome. So my son is in college now, but he he went to Dexter. And so they play Cushing in baseball and hockey. So I was up here a bunch, but I would only go to the hockey rink up the top, right? Brian knows the campus very well. Yeah. Right? And then down the bottom. So two corners, I can't even see two corners, right? That's better in the screen. Um, baseball is down there. Those are the only two places. I had never been in the middle campus. And then when, Coach Jacobs called me last summer to come out and have a look. Um, I couldn't believe it. It's like a college campus, right, Brian? I mean, yeah. it's it's insane how nice it is here. So you get people here and and they want, you know, they really not that there's not other good prep schools, but it's a it's a good spot. So anytime that you're someone who recruits or or tries to help admissions get kids to campus, it's always nice to have a good product on on the other end, you know, and and this place isn't hard. Yeah, and it's it's amazing the the you know. Since my last time of being up there, and same thing, like as a young kid, we were we were lucky enough to be part of the USA Hockey um, camps and, and and player development weeks and things like that, where we had the opportunity to stay in the dorms and things. So oh, yeah. you would you would really like get to know it a little bit. But then as a student, you know, you you having the downtown area that you can kind of walk to and go to the grocery store, or the bagel shop, and things like that is really cool. But the improvements that have been done, uh, which you know can be said, I would say at, at any prep school now, but you know, the new dormitories and the improvements with the rank and the cafeteria and the new gym and um, you know, with basketball and the weight room and things like that. It's, it's, it really is cool to see the 
as an alumni, the, the reinvestment, right? The, you know, continuing to, to, to get better and better. Yeah. That's because of our crack fundraising team that we have here. My experience coming up in the, in the spring playing Cushing and lacrosse. Uh, I don't know if that lacrosse field was near um, uh, just like a farm or whatever, but it just smelled like cow manure. <laughs> so since then mike we have um put a nice turf field and it's right in the middle of campus so oh excellent no cows anywhere to be seen so. <laughs> that was your breath moth yeah it <laughs> flowing back in my face yeah my exactly you're running so fast the breath your, your breath was hitting you right back in the nostrils uh that's awesome <laughs> all right i got a youth hockey question here right and i kind of like this one this is from alex all right some would call me cheap, but I've been hacking down my old lumber for my seven-year-old instead of buying her junior sticks. Her coach insists that we should be buying the kids junior sticks. I grew up using senior sticks from the age four through college, and I turned out all right. Ha ha. Would love your thoughts on this. Alex, confused hockey dad, a garage full of lumber circa 2007 through 2011. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, I think there's probably a good reason that um they do make junior sticks you know what i mean so the the flex is correct but i think for at least a couple of years what, she's seven yeah you can cut down any you could hand her <laughs> stick. I mean, what's going to happen like it's all about playing right so i don't think he needs to get too deep into like you know a ccm two piece whatever you know he he's fine once if she's pretty good though and she hits like 10 He's going to have to do it just so her friends don't make fun of her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Kind of embarrassing to walk in with a tospo, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, the other thing that was, I actually was doing the same thing with my uh, my son. I was just cutting down my old sticks, terrible lie, terrible curve. But um, someone mentioned about the size of the shaft for the how big their hands are mm -hmm. so that they can get, you know, a better feel for the stick and the puck and whatnot. So, that would be my uh, only thing for Alex is, um, you know, the only positive. But I agree with you, Coach. I, I tell it all the time. So my father coached at Randolph High School, and they used to get, you know, part of their budget was sticks. And they were like Christian Brothers sticks. And, you know, it was the same type of thing. I would I would just go down the basement, cut down a new one. And, and you know, the, the, the blade on it was like this long. And, you know, I was probably seven, eight years old. And. I turned out okay. I, you know, not the greatest, but I know my brother went through the same thing. So, you know, again, I think, like you said, it's, uh, you know, get a feel for it, but you don't want your kid to be the one getting abused all the time. Like, look at your father's old coho. You know what I mean? Like, you lose a type of thing. So, yeah, well, I think it was, uh, more for, it was more for baseball, but my, my, um, whenever I'd want a new bat, my grandfather would always say, it's not the wand, it's the magician. So, <laughs> Exactly. Could probably go with. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, all right, Mots, I got another one here. Is there a big difference between uh, coaching college and coaching in high school? Do you generally speak to the parents or to the kids when considering them? Um, so I think I prefer, there's going to be more speaking to the parents at this level, um, but not once the season end, the season starts. Like that's where mm -hmm. I make it clear. Um, that if, if there's some conversation to have about playing time or playing ability or anything that needs to come through the kid. And that's not me or other coaches trying to duck the parent that's trying to teach the kid a life lesson of how to advocate for himself. So I think that's really important in terms of development and part of being, 
you know, growing up as, as a 16, 17, 18 year old, like really the email or the call from the parent is, is those things should be going away. I, I don't think they should ever come in. You know what I mean? Like, I don't even think when the kid's 11, you should be talking to your coaches, but that's just, unless it had to do with like safety or illness or something, I get that. But like when it comes to playing, um, you know, and I think our parents are, are at, at Cushing, we had a good, like we had an opening meeting, right? And we talked and, and kind of got everything out there. And, told, and I told the kids that, you know, if your parents want to contact me, they, they're more than happy to, but I'm going to want you as part of that conversation. If the if it's a three-way, not a two-way type of communication, and that seemed to work out pretty well. No, is that the same at the at the college level? Like you you're not talking to parents when you're no. you know like no. if you Millie told me when I started that um, if a parent ever calls you, uh, just say I'd love to have a meeting, but I need your son to be in the meeting also. And I'd say in 19 years at HC, I maybe had three people try to do that, and I used Coach Humilly's line, and we never had a meeting. So. He was wise beyond his years, even back then. Well, that's He's great stuff. Yeah, because um, Brian and I talk a lot about this at the youth level. Um, I think that's a great approach. You know, have a, a parent meeting, you know, and, and in your case, you're talking to the parents about, you know, really taking their, you know, son under your guidance. Um, but once that happens, they're all yours. And, you know, when the, when the, the kid comes into the locker room, into the rank and, mm -hmm. Being able to grow up, like you said, is a very uh, important life skill that uh, is really good to hear that you're kind of in, encouraging because some of the parents at younger ages feel that they can have influence over their, their kids' development or their path more than maybe they should. So that's that's it, really good to hear. It's, it's hard, right? Like we all want the best for our kid and we all want everything to go perfectly, and that, that, but it's just not reality you know and it's just when it when it comes to making teams who's on the first line who's on the second line who's on the third not a lot of coaches out there aren't doing what's right i i honestly believe that not that's just not being me being a wonk for coaches i'm just like what coach isn't going to play the best three players followed by the next best three followed by the next best three? <laughs> it's just like maybe if, maybe if you're a dad coaching in little league and you stick your kid at shortstop and he stinks like all right then you got a complaint but for the most part no one's going to really do that. Right. I, I wouldn't think it would happen that often. So it's more, you know, it's hot. It's hot as a parent, even as someone who's coached all the years, I can, I am fully understanding that I am probably not a hundred percent objective when it comes to my son and daughter. I mean, who would be, you know, right. they sleep in the room next to me. I know them. So it's like, it's natural. Yeah. It's just natural. Well, we got one here. My son is an 11 year old and plays D on a 2010 travel team in upstate New York. He possesses a decent wrist shot and shows good patience on the blue line. Is he old enough to listen to spitting chiclets? He keeps asking for chiclets. I keep giving him the shrinks. Wayne. Yeah, no, he is not old enough. <laughs> and I love, I love chiclets, but no, no. Give him a few more years. Yeah. Keep him with the shrinks for now with a, with a PG kind of version. And, and when he gets, when he gets a little older, uh, maybe introduce him to a few clips, but uh, yeah, I think yeah, there's, there's baby been steps. Uh, yeah. Let's just call it baby steps. Exactly. I have a, I have a 10 and a 12 year old and they're not, and they're, 
they're not listening to it in the car with with me to chicklets and i'm a huge fan obviously and and you know they we're good friends with the wit and all those guys but yeah i think 11's a little too young but i'm interested about that rista from the blue line and the patience is more you can't really i wonder if patience. i wonder if he if you know little wayne uses uh uh, one of his father's old cut down sticks or not? Uh, the old white uh, bossy. Um, oh yeah. What uh, what did he use? Was titan. that a titan? Yeah. Titan, yeah. Titan. yeah, bossy titan, right? Exactly. Oh, that's classic. Well, let's take a quick break from the questions with Coach Pearl. Uh, for over 28 years, the Kelleher Corbett Group has been a trusted advisor to individuals, families, businesses, and nonprofit organizations. They provide clients with the scope, scale, and oversight of a global financial ser services firm, coupled with the independence, objectivity, and service capabilities of a boutique advisory and con consulting group. Give them a call at 781-681-4949 or visit their website at morganstanley.com backslash the Kelleher Corbett Group. And also, if you own a home and you haven't looked into refinancing in a while, have a quick chat with our friend Chris Devon and see if it makes sense for you. Devo can help you save on a monthly basis so that you can uh, put more money into savings or other projects. Check him out at chrisdevon.com. Um, make sure you hit up Devo and the boys at Cross Country. They're doing a really good job down there. Now back to the questions with Paul Pearl. What do you, uh, Paul, what do you tell a kid choosing between prep schools versus schools in the Catholic League? Uh, I, I think the Catholic League um, is very good. I mean, good players and, and it's a good league, very good coaches in there. Um, I think that's a personal preference. I mean, we're, mm -hmm. we're so different because you can't school in the Catholic League. You can't live there. Right. So here we're dealing with a, a different it would have to be someone who wanted to move away from home and, you know, live out on his own and be in a dorm and kind of, kind of go that way. Uh, I also think overall you might get a little more exposure playing and not that you wouldn't get exposure playing at those places, obviously CM and BCI and all those places are great, but um, just by the nature of like, if you just take our schedule, we play in the Lawrence tournament and we play in our own tournament at, at um, New Year's. And so those two tournaments, I would there's not a Division One school that doesn't come and recruit at it, and I would probably ninety percent of the Division Threes are there. So I think from an exposure standpoint, a place like Cushing is probably a little bit higher profile. Um, I'm not saying better, I'm not saying better. I'm just saying higher profile. That's is yeah, that, that fair? makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, I mean, and and I mean, I. I I mean, everybody listening has heard my story, but I did two years in the Catholic Conference. I played at CM. I loved it, had a blast, and I was fortunate enough to, to you know, win two Super 8 championships playing the Boston Garden. It was a, it was a great time, but at that point, you know, I, I kind of, you know, I sat down, talked to my father. I had a conversation. He's like, hey, you, you're doing pretty well at this level, but, you know, it might be time to take a look at the, at the next step, right? And you always want to continue to get better, and that was – going and you know having a conversation with with coach jacobs and and i went to cushing at you know as a junior and played two years there and had an absolute blast and you know again it, it was great hockey i thought it was an, another level up but you know my freshman and sophomore year was it was it was a perfect spot for me mm -hmm. yeah another question here are there scholarship options for prep school hockey players or any additional financial aid packages that you can provide no so what happens is at at most prep schools um, there's a limited amount of financial aid. So 
uh, none of the, maybe an Andover and Exeter with like a $2 billion endowment. Um, so you'll say we got, I'll make up numbers, say we got 10 applicants and seven of them needed financial aid. The school's not going to be able to, and this isn't just Cushing, this is most prep schools. They're not going to be able to fund all seven of those kids. So what they'll do is they'll look for, okay, these kids need it. Who can provide something else for the school? Um, so I, this kid is an unbelievable trombone player. We just lost our trombone player to, you know, Cal State Fullerton. Let's bring him in. So that kid will get financial aid. That's not a scholarship. He's just getting what he qualifies for on that financial aid form. Unfortunately, all seven of those kids aren't going to get it. So you might get four of them because they fit women's basketball, trombone, um, you know, first lead in West Side Story and girls hockey. Those four get it. And then three kids, unfortunately, get accepted, but they're not um, offered aid. So that's how it works. So, Coach, is it – do they – are they earmarked for a certain bucket of money? So, like, let's just say, you know, there's a a student that happens to play hockey. Um, You know, is there a way that the school looks at him differently even though he does play hockey or she? No, but that could be – there's no bucket, but that could be what the skill is. So, okay, we need a left shot defenseman. That what did the kid say? He could Wayne could sift it through from the blood. <laughs> yeah. We need Wayne because <laughs> we just graduated Wayne's uncle. He's gone. So now, yeah. So, but again, he's not getting any more than he is qualifying for. Um, right. And there's no bucket that says every year you get 11 hockey players, two trombone players. No, it's just an individual basis. Quite honestly, having gone through it for one year. The best thing you can do to get to be one of those kids is be a good student. So they obviously, because prep schools are all about placement. I've had this conversation 200 times, so I'm just repeating myself. So I want Mike Motto to come in because I know in three years, I'm going to be able to put him out to any of the division one schools and any of the division three schools because he's a straight A student. Okay. Right. I do not want Brian Yandel because he's a B- <laughs> he's a B minus student, and therefore he just cut out forty of the Division One hockey schools and forty five of the D three schools. So now it's a scramble to try to place that kid after his senior year. So yeah. you cannot be a good enough student and can't have high enough grades. And I know you. I know I just reversed that, and you were the. I other. was gonna say, yeah, it's the. It's actually the opposite, <laughs> minus the you know Hobie Baker and all that stuff. But whatever. <laughs> oh, that's classic. Uh, all right, this is a good one for everybody. During games, do you coach your players while they're on the ice, or just in between shifts? Um, well, I like to coach in practice. Number one, uh, that's where I I like to really kind of dig in and 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 show you know what's the right way to kind of situational stuff try to recreate drills that kind of apply to games but definitely during a game in between shifts if they say make a mistake um something that they could possibly see later on in the game what what other options could you have made you know it's a game of mistakes so you know it's it's going to happen but never yelling you know joysticking from the bench while they're on the ice yeah, I mean, I think that's a good point. I, I, I've found myself at the younger levels, right? You, you know, as as I was getting into it and involved in it, and my kids, it's like, you know, you find yourself on the bench, like dump it, chip it, and then it's like, 
as the more and more you get into it, right, during a game, it's like, all right, the, let the kids go out and make plays. Let them let them make their mistakes. And then I found, always found myself, um, if, especially if it was a positional mistake or things like that, getting out the whiteboard and trying to, to, to show those, you know, the kids what they were doing wrong or what they should be doing in the defensive zone or, or you know, maybe, a, a hey, instead of trying to make that pass directly through the middle of the ice, maybe it's a chip off the wall and you kind of show them um, – those little things on the whiteboard versus yelling, dump it, chip it, you know, high off the glass, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with both of you guys wholeheartedly. Like, I think practice should be super hard, super fast, super challenging, and very game-like. And then that's like practice. That's like your your classes. And then the the test is game day. And in between shifts, if, you know, I turn it over, at the red line three times. Yeah. I'm going to lean down and talk to myself and say, stop doing that. Or you're not going to ever play again. But like, other than that, like, I don't think pass, shoot, dump it in, block it. Like I don't, you know, no, you don't do that. And so I think you have to actually be quiet and not chirp refs and not chirp players or else your players, especially at the high school and college level, will model your behavior and they will chirp refs and chirp their teammates and chirp. So quiet bench is a good bench, you know, and excited bench and having fun and, you know, congratulating each other and and whatever. But if you start micromanaging that process, you're not going to develop good players. Bill Beanie was huge on that. That's how this whole small games thing exploded. And Bill's theory behind it was just let them play because once the game happens and you're on the two on one, you got to make that pass across, you know, and then you hope Coyle catches it and buries it. Boss, you see that pass? Hall made yeah. Yeah. <laughs> really good pass. He's a good player, huh? Yeah, really, really. I good. didn't realize how good he was until seeing him now the full season, as opposed to after the trade. It's like, whoa, that's what the first pick in the draft looks like. Yeah, he's a strong player. I, I, I got, I, I, Mott, right. I wanted to, to, to just bring it back because Mott and I talk about this all the time and, you know, so you at the college level, um, and I think I know the answer, but at Cushing, right? Do you think, do you have your players sitting down on the bench or standing up? Same question. <laughs> Is that what you had to say? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sit. Yes. Yeah. I can't stand. And I know, you know, lactic acid and, you know, we're going to have power shakes on the bench and the Czechs used to drink warm tea and all that. You know, everyone just show up, put some water in the thing, sit down, get ready for your next shift and go. Yeah. Yeah, you're able to watch. It's more organized, you know. And as as a coach, you know, or actually as a fan, just looking across at two benches, if one's standing and one's sitting, it's just a it's a completely different uh, dynamic. No question. That's fine, Mots. I, I I was like, I, I wonder if we're going to ask the same question right now. That's <laughs> hilarious. Oh, uh, it is another one for you, Coach. Can you talk about your players playing for split season teams and what that does for your players and their overall game count? There's a lot of meat in that, 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 that right there. So a, um, I think other prep school coaches would go along with me in that just playing hockey from November through February, though it's good. We would prefer to be the ones coaching them in September and October and go to a kind of a two season model. I mean, that, that, that would be perfect world. And um, we're lucky at Cushing that there's a split season team that plays out of our rink. 
So we have, um, and they're unaffiliated, but obviously they get a lot of our players. He runs the tryouts and our players like to do it because what happens with the split season is you still might play another 30 games. Say, great, you know, you get your game count up, um, but you don't practice the whole fall, which is like if you look at any USA hockey book, is the exact opposite of what you're supposed to be doing in the development model, right? right. So at least like at Cushing, because the Penguins practice at Iorio Arena, Jacob's rank at Iorio Arena, they um, are able to get three practices in during the week along with playing the games. I think most prep coaches are kind of behind the scenes speaking to their administration about the possibility of making – even though prep schools have forever been three sports and and I I'm not against that ideal. I think there's a reality that fall and winter hockey and then play a spring sport is probably more of what's coming down the road over the next four to five years. We might guess, you know, I, I certainly know that a lot of prep schools are talking about it and it's something that we want to do because like anything else, I don't mind split season. Like I, the guy at Central Mass Penguins does a very, very good job. And there's obviously great programs here in the state of Massachusetts and, and around, you know, in all, all through New England. But it is hard for a player to have two masters. And the, no matter what, I'm not the same or Timmy Whitehead's not the same or, you know, whoever, whatever coach isn't the same as the, fall coach they're playing for so it's like okay we're playing this system and then we have to switch to this system he likes this he likes that he's disciplined he's not he wants you on time you got to wear a tie you know you know there's a million things that it's two different teams no matter how you put it you know we're lucky again that we probably have the most seamless transition just because of where that midget team skates out of but it's still you know it's hard it's hard for um for anything so Long answer to a short question. Sorry. What do you find? I mean, that kind of leads me to, so, I mean, I just think back my days of Cushing, right? Mike Woodfid, who ended up going on playing at Michigan was a great player. Mm-hmm. Like he played soccer in the fall and mm-hmm. I know there was some others. So are you, are you seeing now that most of your guys aren't playing a, a, a fall sport and they're more focused on like their weightlifting or, or whatever other, cause you have to do, there's a certain activity that you do have to be involved in right now in the fall. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. But that can be like a weightlifting program. Yeah. So, so what happens is, um, well, what happens? So in 1980s, I'm growing up, right? Everyone played three sports. You're an athlete, you know, you play football, then you play hockey, then you play baseball or whatever that mix was. Boom, boom, boom. Now, um, I think there was an in between time where, you know, kids were still playing fall sports and hockey, or they were still playing hockey and a spring sport, right? But there was still that. Now you have kids, there's still kids who do two sports, but um, I would say there's a lot, and it's not just the sport of ice hockey, it's soccer and it's lacrosse and everything else. It's full year. And I'm sure you guys have addressed it a million times on this show. I've heard you a couple of times address it, that it's, it's a profit. You know, my father coached our youth hockey teams, you know, for $0 and zero cents, right? Just a youth hockey coach. Pretty good at it. Um, now, you know, people are doing this for profit. This is their livelihood. And therefore, they need to give more. So giving more means they stretch out the season, which means everybody stops going full year with hockey. It's 
it's we're lucky. Like right now, the coaching baseball team, we have five hockey players playing. It's awesome. But a couple of them didn't even play last year. So they're, they're slowly getting back to that. What we'd like to do is take that fall when nobody's playing a fall sport anyways, at least on the boys' side. The girls' side is completely different. But on the boys' side, and provide to them something extra, not just weightlifting and sprinting up and down the hill. Like, why not get on the ice? The ice is there. Well, we can't get on the ice because, you know, NEPSAC rules wouldn't allow it. So we won't do it. But we would like at some point, hopefully, them to change their mind on that. Because I do think, you know, full season midgets, academies, things like that are just, you know, those guys are good hockey coaches. They're going to, that's going to be a talent drain on the prep level that, you know, we certainly don't want to have. Would, would prefer to keep those guys playing for us. Yeah, that, that's interesting. You touched on a lot of great points, and we have talked about the landscape changing and, you know, the the profit, the money kind of speaks to stretching out those seasons and, like you said, mm-hmm. not just for hockey. So it's very difficult for some of these kids coming through who want to play multiple sports but have to be specific to one because it's a mortgage payment plus to play a sport now. Um, well, not to mention, not to cut you off, Mike, but, like, like, there's one team I know down in New Jersey. It's a very, very good program. You join that team like you join a golf club. Mm. You, you pay 12 months and you get, all right, what do I get along with hockey? I get weightlifting. I get lunch. I get, you know, massage on Tuesdays. I, I, who know, You know what I mean? There's all that. And it's, it's really, it's intriguing, quite honestly, because I'm sure it's a good business model or else they wouldn't be doing it. Do they have a minimum to meet? <laughs> <laughs> Bar tab. <Yeah. laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it is an interesting uh, model, though. Yeah, Uh, but then they never lose kids for skills. They never lose kids for weightlifting. They never lose, you know, and they're good. They're they're really good team. So, um, must work. Yeah. All right. We got a few more here. Uh, This one is uh, my son's team just had trials. The results came in when we looked at the list. We realized the roster is full of forwards. What were the coaches looking for? Can you explain to me how that works, especially for an A team? So I'm assuming this is obviously a younger a younger guy's team. What do you think? When I was the baseball coach at Holy Cross, I just recruited shortstops and pitchers, right? And the theory being if a kid was a high school shortstop, he could good enough to play left field for me. Mm. So maybe that – I mean, I'm guessing, but maybe that was the thought that – um, just take the best, the player. best players and we're just yeah. going to throw five guys out there, you know, it's an interesting kind of approach, you know, if, and again, we talk about kids playing multiple positions, you know, forward D. Um, so maybe you, you get some forwards there that can play D and we'll take to it, but I, I've never heard of that, but that's, that's an interesting approach for sure. Hey, just give me a team full of athletes, right? And like we can throw guys back on D and forward, like mix it up a little bit. I, I, I kind of get it, especially you know he didn't list what age they are, right? So if they're like a bunch of mites, like you know, how do you really know what position they are? You know right. what I mean? Like if if you know, it's one thing if they're bantams and you've had kids that have you know that that you have kind of traditional kids. All right, this kid's played defense for five years now. He's a he's a pretty solid defenseman, right? But if they're younger guys, like let's say they might square it, I don't see a real issue with it. And I think, you know, like you said, Paul, when you coached at, at Holy Cross, like give me give me the best athletes and we'll 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 find positions for them. 
when when I started coaching, I used to work uh, George Crow's elite hockey camp at Brooks Academy, and he had a ton of kids come in. And we the first day it was like ten days. The kids were there. It was crazy. But um, the way he would pick the teams, <laughs> it's the best. He would have them on the goal line. These are like nine, ten year old kids on the goal line, down and back. And the first six were the first two lines on each team, and then. Seven, eight, nine, ten with the top two D's on each team. Hmm. And then he went down. And that's how we pick. And every year, like the final game would be like double overtime. Like it was amazing how wow. it was like it was incredible. And we would laugh about all the guys who worked it back then. And uh, but it worked, you know. So I'm sure right. this guy, maybe this guy's on to something that uh yeah, exactly. don't play defense anymore. So that puts you out. You have it here. You have it here. Cushing is only taking forwards from now on. <laughs> Actually, it went, went the other way this year. <laughs> uh, Nothing against forwards, but you win with D. Like, let's be serious. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Those absolutely. forwards kind of turn into good defensemen. Yeah, we're all D on this uh, on this panel here, so we can speak to it. Hundred percent. I would say I was the least skilled and the least talented, so I will. Uh, I'll stick up for the D the most. I like it. Uh, here's one, and, and and we can talk about you know in kind of recruitment and placing. But why would you, uh, as a college coach, why would you recruit from the prep school ranks? And then I think you know maybe if we can talk a little bit about like when you do get a player now and now being at the prep schools, like how do you you know steer them kind of in the right di- direction for that college placement? That I think that's the 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 second part of your question. I think that hopefully we'll see that should be the sweet spot for what I'm able to do positively. Um, if I, you know, get my year end review, hopefully I'm good at it because um, I know the other side of it. Right. So um, I can obviously know all the college guys, so I can call them. They'll pick up my call. Right. And then secondly, I have an idea of what they're thinking. If they offer you, if they offer you so much money, if they, you know, all those different things. I've kind of been through most of those experiences, I think, so I can maybe provide some guidance for guys so that we we get them into the right spots, you know. Um, I think from the college side, why would you recruit prep schools? There's a lot of good players in these prep schools. So I I think, um, you know, it's like anything else. There's multiple places to recruit from. But, I mean, New England prep schools have had good hockey players for – forever and they'll continue to, you know, and, and I think that um, it's a little different now, especially with the portal and, and the extra year, the NCAA granted. So maybe a few more kids have to go and play juniors for a year in between, but that doesn't make this any less of a great spot to be. And I would argue, you know, more than a year of juniors can be pretty tough if you're not in, in the right spot. You know what I mean? Like I, I get the year, I get it. Um, but you know, if you don't have to, and you can just go right from one educational institution to another in- educational institution, I think that's a more normal progression that, you know, high school, right to college. I mean, they've been doing that for how long has Harvard been around? Like, it seems like it, it works okay, right? So we've yeah. kind of added these extra steps that they're fine. But I mean, I don't know how, from an educational academic standpoint, I don't, know that it's always beneficial to take a year or two off from school. You know, anytime that I think you could go directly, not speaking on hockey and not being negative about juniors at all. I'm just saying like my kids at Bowdoin, cause he went right from Dexter to Bowdoin. Like there was no stop in between. And 
it would have been great from a hockey standpoint to make that stop, but I don't know, a year off from school, listen, you know, it's hard. So this one, uh, as far as you're talking about, you know, the, the location and the prep schools from that end, but prior to, you know, getting to prep school, this was asked from a Utah listener. How does someone from a less traditional you have listeners hockey... in Utah? Yeah, we're number one in Belgium. <laughs> <laughs> so the question is, how does someone from a less traditional hockey playing location get on the prep school track? Video, video, and I, I, I have thought this for twenty years now. The it, the kids who come out of the less traditional places, less of them come out. But the ones who do come out tend to be the higher end kids because they had to go to go through so much mm-hmm. just to be a hockey player. Like if you, you're like a Florida Alliance kid. You have to be pretty good if you made it to be 16 years old because mm-hmm. you've spent so much money, traveled around so much, put up with so much stuff, and your parents have put so much into it for you to get to that point. You're gonna be pretty good, you know. Whereas you might have put in all that time living in Winthrop, but you know, it, it, it wasn't nearly as hard and you didn't have to do as much. And, and I don't know, I, I think those non-traditional places get your video out and uh, you never know. Like I, I think it can work out pretty well for guys, you know, that's kind of like Kev- Arizona, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We talked to Kevin Miller who uh, kind of went through that path and, he just showed up at school thinking he was just going to make the team, was on JV, is what, junior year, BY? Yeah, junior year, yeah. And then he, you know, worked his way, uh, you know, into it, and he did a PG, whatnot. But, like, to your point, he's from California and, you know, worked, you know, he was a, a good player out there. He was just like, I don't think I'm going to go to prep school. And he just kind of applied and showed up and, you know, so, but then the light bulb went off for him and he really put the work in. So it was, yeah. it was a pretty cool story. Can you talk about, uh, are there any prep programs for our average players, like a B team, JV team, et cetera, et cetera. That came from a, a listener as well. Well, I, I, I can only speak for us. I don't know what every other school has. Well, I do know. I, I know because we play against Salisbury and Avon. Uh, they have varsity B. So it's not just varsity JV. There's a varsity B team that's kind of that in-between level. That's pretty good. And what a kid could hopefully do is move his way up to varsity A off of it, right? Um, it's not a guarantee that he would, but it's a good starting point, especially for the younger guys pulling in. You know what I mean? You're a freshman, you're a sophomore, um, you know, you're a couple of three years younger than the guys playing on the varsity. It's it's pretty good. So like our varsity B plays, like I said, Avon, Salisbury. We bring in like U16 teams to play, a couple of U18 teams. Um, and then like local high schools, like they played Acton and um, Acton Boxborough and, you know, places like that. So I don't know that all the schools have that, but the the bigger ones do like, like a place like Cushing, like we have 70 kids, 70 boys play hockey. Here. You know what I mean? There's only 190 boys. So like it's pretty high mm-hmm. percentage. So you have to give opportunities for kids to be able to skate. Yeah, I can. And, and, you know, during my time at Cushing, obviously, but my classmates, you know, Steve Jacobs Jr. And, and Danny Murphy, who, you know, Steve played at UMass Amherst and Danny played at Harvard. And both those guys, they they came in as freshmen to Cushing, played on the varsity B team for a year and then, you know, became extremely impactful players by the time they were seniors and scholarship kids. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Especially for the for the guy who hasn't developed physically yet. Like, it's so funny. Like, you got you guys should come here and, and uh trail me for a day because you'll have like at 11 a pg rolls in like 
for an interview, right? And he's got a beard like you, BY, right? <laughs> and then then you have a kid walking in at at 12:30 that you swear is 7 years old. Like he's 14, <laughs> but he looks like he's 7 and it's like these guys are going to go to the same school? Are you kidding me? But it's yeah. such a wide I had forgotten that, you know, working in college, like no one like ninth grade to 12th grade, what a huge discrepancy yeah. there is in terms of, you know, it's a big, it's a big difference. Big well, I was up at Cushing not too long ago and the, the pitches on the wall of the past teams and you see like Zach Bogosian, right? His freshman year, he looked like he was probably, you know, not even close to hitting puberty and you know like whatever five foot two like he looked like a baby he really looked like a baby and now you see him like he's a, obviously a grizzly old like nhl veteran that you know during his couple years at cushing you know grew into being a six foot four like you know number what you know top five draft pick in the in right, the right, nhl right. you know what i mean like it, it was but it was crazy I, like it just forgot about those guys coming in at such younger age groups and the discrepancy because i know keith was a couple years old in him but you know but you know, by the time Keith was a senior and, and Zach was a sophomore, junior, like he started hitting that growth spurt. And it, it's pretty amazing to see that okay. you know, maturation process go through. So we got uh, another one here. Your, this this could be your, you know, dagger pitch here. What do you think some of the benefits of a boarding school are, a.k.a. Cushing? Well, overall, I think a boarding school, we, talk, we hit on it a little bit earlier, like is is kind of getting ready for college, right? Is, is it's a, it's a preview of what college would be like. You move away from home, you live in a dorm, you join a community outside of your family community that you, you, you've been part of to that point. Um, learn how to follow rules. You learn how to take care of yourself. You learn how to have a good diet, you learn how to go to bed on your own. Um, you know, all of those things that will just make you a better freshman in college, I, I think are the, the big things for boarding school. For Cushing, I, I just think this place, um, you know, we're not Andover, we're not Exeter, right? We're, we're, we've got students that could certainly compete at Andover and Exeter, and we also have regular students, right? Kid, kids who are good, hardworking, earnest kids. Um, and, and that feel here, I think, adds to a little bit of normalcy that maybe you wouldn't find. Is that rude for me to say normalcy? But you know what I mean. Like, it's just... Yeah. It's a reg it's a regular place. You don't have a stuffiness to it that you know a, a regular guy from Greater Boston feels pretty comfortable here. It's not if a kid's gonna decide to come here, he's not gonna decide whether or not he feels comfortable with the kids here. He's gonna decide whether or not he's comfortable moving away from home. Mm -hmm. You come on here right away, it feels welcoming. So that was a really long answer to a short question. But like the second part of that is when you're here, um, kind of the the safety nets for you from an academic standpoint, are unbelievable. Like if you get a C minus on a quiz, I've got an email about it. If you've got, you know what I mean? Like we all know what's going on. So we're able to kind of take you through that academic step. And then we have a whole academic program. We have five full-time people here um, for extra help. They don't teach other classes. That's their job. They do extra help. Like that's kind of unheard of at schools. And I think that's a huge thing. And then athletically, I think a place like this, um, especially Cushing is you're going to play with like-minded kids who want to go and play division one college hockey. Some will play division three, some will play club, some will become, um, you know, somewhere in between there. Right. While doing that, you can also play lacrosse, you can play baseball, you can play golf. So athletically you can kind of scratch a lot of itches here 
to prepare yourself to go to the next level, you know, and I, and I think that you hit on it earlier with coach Jacobs and coach Troy and all that they kind of created here over the years. There's an unbelievable hockey culture and the, the school loves the sport. Um, not just the hockey players, everybody it's, it's, everyone's really involved. And, you know, Thursday morning, first question you get walking in the door, how'd you do yesterday? Or someone who was at the game, nice job yesterday. Or what were you thinking when you pulled the goalie or, you know what I mean? Like people, people are into it. Like they, they love hockey here. So that part's awesome. Like, like just being part of a place that, that loves hockey is like as much as I do and as much as the players do is, is a lot of fun. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm a big, I didn't have a sense until last summer of what boarding school was like in, you know, at my current age and now seeing it, I'm a big believer in it. I am. I think it's a great place and especially Cushing, you know, no, that's great. Well, before we let you go, uh, we have our My Hockey Rankings uh, question of the week. So oh, here nice. it is, and then we'll wrap it up. So how many summer showcases are too many? My 2013 is lucky to be invited, but is it a money grab? Well, that's a good one. So summer showcases are good as long as the kid wants to play it and you're not spending money that is like putting you – at a disadvantage in life for your other children. You know what I mean? Like, like if you have the dough and your kid likes hockey, I think it's great. Go do it. And, and um, how many is too many? I wouldn't do more than, I don't know. Like, let's say you skate from September. Your team goes, what, September through March, March. right? Yeah. Some teams are still going. Some town programs like the Dorchester, you know, Bantam team still playing right now. They're in the finals next weekend. It's crazy it's for them, and I hope they do well. And that's awesome. But I think when the Dorchester Town program's done, and I say this to everybody, every single person who plays hockey, whenever your season ends, should take the next two months off. I think anything more than ten months is over. And, and the younger you are, even more time off. But so to answer your question, if you played through March, took April and May off, go to one in June and one in July, so two, maybe three. Uh, but again, if your kid doesn't want to do it, I wouldn't make them do it. And if if you are like taking out an equity line in order to do it, I wouldn't do it. Like yeah. you got you got to figure that one out. The second the second part of that is what is the showcase or what is who are you going to? Like, are you going to something that will help your kid, right? Um, with a coach that knows what he's doing or she's doing like don't just go to a company you know what i mean like like kind of know maybe talk to a few people and find out all right what's that clinic or camp all about is it worth doing you know i heard the motto guy was just a money grab and he never gets on the ice or i heard the yandel guy he's great he runs the whole thing he talks to you he works with you blah blah blah, blah. you know what i'm saying like that's but you I'd be have... careful with the word showcase too. It's like what you know, who are you showcasing to at nine years old, right? He's born in 2013. Like the I'll tell you right now, and and I mean I'll let you answer it, but I'm gonna go on a whim here and say you're not gonna be at a nine-year-old hockey tournament in uh Toronto or Marlboro for that matter, uh watching a bunch of nine-year-olds play hockey. So it's it like be wary of that showcase thing, because who who the heck are you showcasing to at nine years so old? So I misheard. I thought you said like camp. If it's a showcase, how many is too many? One. I, I don't think you should do any showcases in the summer. Yeah. it's like that, uh, From my take of it, it was like a tournament, camp. right, Mots? Yeah. yeah. 
there's a camp and there's a value to it. Awesome. If you're just playing games, Mm -hmm. I I don't like it. So I apologize. I answered that wrong. No, I thought it was a, I thought it was a good answer. Well, if it's a camp and you can get something out of it, if Mike is doing defenseman skills, yeah, I'll send my kid to that. It's pretty good. He kind of knows what he's doing. You know what I mean? Like, right. Like, you know, if I'm giving ballet lessons, no, I'm not sending you there. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, like just figure it out a little bit here, guys. You know, like I, I think sometimes, you know, we, we get drawn in and I feel bad for parents. The fear of missing out. Yes. Homo oh. like, is my greatest. I love that acronym. Like it's, it's awful. It's real, right? It is real. And there's an anxiety that parents get because your kid did this and my kid didn't. And, but always remember the person who did it is going to try to make it sound better than it was because they don't want to feel bad because it was so stupid to send them. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> That's perfect. Uh, exactly. exactly. Uh, well, we want to thank you for coming on, Paul. We, uh, you know, we took enough of your time. We know you're, you're busy at Cushing. And, uh, Get the stirrups ready for the you go, going out on the diamond or what? Big, big win yesterday over the Buckingham, Brown, and Nichols Knights. Oh, wow. Knights. Yeah, get the, you get the fungo going, get some seeds. I mean, what's better? We just need nicer weather here in New England. Yeah. Yeah. Well, our, our manager, you can't have seeds because our manager always forgets the water. So if you have the seeds, you get all puckered up by the fourth inning. So <laughs> I, I gotta, we got to work on that a little bit. Got to work on the water guy. You need a Bobby our Boucher fungo, as a recruit. Tremendous this year. Yeah. That thing, that's like riding a bike. I'm just blasting them all over the place. It's been great. Oh, that's so great. <laughs> that's awesome. Awesome. All right. Awesome. Well, uh, you know, again, Coach Pearl, we can't thank you enough from Cushing Academy. Uh, best of luck. And, and we appreciate you joining the Rink Shrinks. All right. No, thank you. And, and we're looking forward to having young Yandel on campus next year. So yeah. Yeah. It's good. exciting time. Keep, keep, keeping on the tradition. Yeah. Mots, let's go open up the piggy bank. <laughs> like I said, the first communion money is still under the mattress. <laughs> hey, last, last, can I ask you guys a question? Who wins oh, yeah. the, uh, who wins the, the the games this weekend? What do you got? Good question. I I mean, the, it's there's a lot of different kind of variables that go into it, you know, because Michigan is so, you know, talent-laden. But then you got Minnesota State who knows how to win, like those tight games. It's tough to bet against Minnesota State. So okay. I, I'm going Minnesota State. I went we, – we we had this conversation last uh, – a couple weeks ago. I, I – I rode Michigan, and so I gotta, I gotta stick with my horse. Okay, I'm going. How with about the you? Going with the You're goals. going Gophers. All right. They got it right. some year. They have to do it, right? Like it's one of those inevitable things. I think they do it. Yeah. yeah if they put if 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 they put me out there against them. That was that was probably the last time they won when Minnesota kicked <laughs> the crap out of UNH. You know. <laughs> Throw yeah. me out on the back end. I'll get I'll get them a W. A couple yeah, dashes. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I'll serve a couple pizzas up the middle for them. <laughs> All right, Paul. Thank you. Have a good day, guys. Thank you All right. very All right. much. Thanks, Paul. Okay. See thank you, you. All right. Once again, thanks to uh Coach Pearl for joining us on the on the show. I thought there was a lot of uh a lot of great questions. Uh he had some, you know, great insight into you know what they do at boarding school and 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 you know that whole recruiting process, financial aid, different things like that. So it was uh, it was nice to talk with him. Yeah, he's a really good guy. Number number one, and uh, he's a he's a trusted, like you said, the experience that you had going to Cushing. You know, as a parent, you would trust your uh, son to be guided the right way under Coach Pearl. So 
we're very lucky to have him come on and kind of go through some of those questions that we've had uh, over the course of the mailbag uh, regarding prep schools and kind of the process. And he's the, he's been a great coach around him a long time, and uh, we're just fortunate to have him. And you know, he's a, he's a good Winthrop guy too. He has good perspective. Absolutely, Mots. We got our Masters week week upon us, so we had a little mass uh, mailbag question for us. Uh, if you won the Masters, which you know we know you or I will never do, but you had to host the meal. Obviously, anybody that uh, that wins the Masters, they they have to host a meal for all the past champions and things like that. What would uh, what would your appetizer, main course, and dessert be? What, what would you what would you throw on for the for the other champs? I mean, see, the the tough part is. I've asked this question in, or like kind of posed the questions to some people, but it can't be a homemade meal, right? I can't have my mom make it. I don't know. You might be able to bring her down. No, I don't think so. All right. So I, I think I would do L street diner in Southie, uh, Greek salad, steak tips and pizzeria, Regina pizza. Really? Yeah. The dessert would be coffee, Oreo, ice cream from scoops here in Duxbury. Oh, so you're like bringing stuff in with you? Yeah. What do we? What do you do? I, I thought that's what. I mean, did. I thought the chef made it. Oh, I thought that's what I was saying. <laughs> so maybe my so my mom could be the chef. So it would yeah, be... I mean, you basically just you instead of eating <laughs> eating at home, you just ordered takeout. <laughs> that's what I mean. I oh man. All right. So look, all right, let me redo. I'll, I'll, yeah, have, yeah. A, I'll have a duel. <laughs> Even though, like. No free ads, but you just gave out some meals, some of your favorite meals around here in, in Massachusetts. All right. Well, you know, we'll, we'll hit them up. We'll back charge them. You got to think about it? No, I I know exactly what it is. All right. Let's go. All yeah, right. Go, appetizer. Go. Uh, shrimp cocktail. Okay. Okay. And a little side Greek salad. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, and then my mom's chicken palm. It's like baked. It's It's money. <laughs> So like she would do a, she would do a <laughs> no, it's the private chefs making it. No, I don't want him. Not cooking it. No, Mabel's coming down and she's gonna work her magic. She's gonna work the kitchen at Augusta. Yeah, that, <laughs> I mean, if I win, that's like that's what's gonna happen. That's part of all right. Okay. Um. So, and then for dessert, um, those uh, magic bars, like you know, like those with the coconut and the graham cracker on the bottom. With a little ice cream on the side, coffee okay. ice cream. What about you? So I'm going New England clam chowder, or you get it the option or both. So a cup of chowder uh, with the Caesar salad, and then I'm going to go um, a nice fillet or a steak or and a, a fish option. I probably go with salmon, all right? Because you got to have both. Some people might not want the meat, and then for dessert, I do those like you, you know those like chip witches. Like yeah. those cookies, the, the mm. two chocolate chip cookies with the vanilla ice cream, and then they got the chocolate chips around it. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, I'd probably have those. Those are my go-to. That's, I mean, I don't know. It seems a little vanilla, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, well, so, I mean, I, I I can bring Patty down, too, and they, like, <laughs> the two of a, two moms could have a uh, a cook-off here, you oh, know? That would be great. Oh, that, uh, I like that question, though. That's yeah, it was a good one. Uh you still don't fully understand it, but we'll we'll we'll, <laughs> we'll get back to that. Uh, oh, that was good, good stuff. 
Uh, yeah, once again, we talked about it earlier in the show, but uh, April 16th at noon, Thayer, uh, what, what, what do we call the Thayer Rink these days? Thayer Sports Center or something like that? It's the Valiceni Rink, but uh, yeah, it's the Thayer uh, Athletic. It's on the South Campus. Yeah, you, the you home of Mike in... Motto. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> the Thayer Sports Center, we'll call it. It's yeah. something like that. It is, um, yeah, you punch that in. BPD versus BFD. Uh, it's be a good tilt. Should be a good tilt. That'll be fun. Uh, thanks to uh, thanks to all the sponsors and and uh, to Paul Pearl for jumping on once again. Make sure you're hitting us up on Instagram and Twitter. Um, leave us some more voicemails. We need more voicemails. Three, four, seven, six. Shrink. We can't just be ha- hearing you know Harry from High Park rapping. So make sure you hit us up. Um, what do you say? Time to cue the rink shrink shuffle jersey or what? <laughs> <laughs>